Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. You guys ready to have some fun this morning? Hey, can we take a minute welcome all those joining us by video? So glad you guys have tuned in. I don't know if you know it or not, we have people that watch the services from all around the world. And so uh, I'm just excited about what our video team is doing to reach people's lives. And, uh, and thank you guys for being a part of it and being here early and on time and sitting up at the front so uh, the people on video can see all the amazing things that are happening at Generation Church. Uh, a few weeks ago, we started this series called Momentum, and it's a series about gaining financial momentum in our lives. Uh, this series is not about me getting in your pockets. It's about God getting in your pockets. It's, it's not about us receiving offerings or trying to get you to give more or do anything like that. Uh, it, it's about you getting the, the principles of the kingdom of God operating in your financial world. Uh, when we started this series, we looked at a couple things. We saw that there's a, a normal way that the world does money, a normal way that the world does finances. We, the, the world says get in debt. The world says don't save, just spend it. The world says that if I, I want to leverage other people's money, that I can do those kind of things. But the kingdom of God says in Proverbs 22, seven, that the borrower is a slave to the lender, that we shouldn't sign a surety for somebody else or co-sign or, or get in debt, those kind of things. And so the kingdom of God's financial system runs contrary to the world system. And so my goal in this series is to help us get out of the world's way of doing money and get into God's way of doing money. You know, we talked a lot about uh, savings and getting out of debt and Pastor Troy was here last weekend. He talked about being obedient. Let God fill your water pot to the brim so there's no room left for you. Complete obedience to the Lord. And and this weekend's message is is really kind of the central point. It's the crux of everything that we've talked about. You know, you can save on your own. You can get out of debt on your own. You can be obedient to God uh, to a level in your life. But today's message is what allows you to get out of debt, to save, to be obedient to the highest level possible. You could do it on your own, but if you will apply what we're going to talk about today to your life, it'll take all of those efforts that we put into our finances and put them in a completely different paradigm. So I encourage you today, open your heart, allow the Lord to speak to you. Allow the Lord to challenge you today to continue uh, serving him based on his financial standards, not the world's financial standards. You ever noticed in life that, uh, that money just takes over everything? You ever notice in life that, that everything seemingly is about just money? Like we spend one third of our day, well, first of all, we spend one third of our day sleeping, so that doesn't count. So we have two thirds of our day left. And then one whole half of the rest of our waking hours, we spend earning money so that we can spend a few hours at night spending the money that we earned. And really what we do is we give the the prime hours of our life to earning money because we spend two or three hours preparing in the morning to go earn money of our few waking hours that we have. Then we go earn the money and then we spend the few hours that we have left trying to find something to do with it. And then we go back to sleep. Everything in the world seemingly revolves around money. Governments rise and fall to the dollar. People lie, steal, cheat, murder over money.
Money is one of those things that you just can't get away from. It's kind of like oxygen. Like if you stop breathing, then you exist. You cease to exist. If you try to disconnect or dissociate yourself from money, then you cease to be able to function in everyday life. And so if money is one of those things that we can't get rid of, then we might as well learn how to operate within God's financial principles as it relates to money. To get out of the world's way of doing things and get into God's way of doing things. You know, when they say that um, in, in Scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You know, I look around the world and I say, wow, that is just so true. I see what people do over money, how money overtakes them. You know, there's a little bit of a sense that in the church that has been in the church for probably the past century or so that, that money is an evil thing. Why, why do those pastors talk about money? It's not a place, the church is not a place to talk about money. It's, it's not, they shouldn't even deal with those kind of things. You know, Jesus taught more about money than he did other, any other subject. He taught more about money than he taught about the kingdom of heaven. He taught more about money than he did repentance. He taught more about money than he did prayer. He taught more about money than he did anything else. Because money is inseparable from our lives. So we need to learn how to handle money and handle money God's way. They say that money makes the world go crazy. Should be crazy there. Just so you guys know, should be crazy. So we still need money to live. Money, even though it's so destructive to life or can be destructive to life, it's, it's essential for our survival. So how do we gain this financial momentum in life? How do we operate in a money-driven world without falling into the trappings of its corruption? I'll tell you, it begins with honoring God. How do you get out of debt? Well, you can pay your bills, but if you begin to get out of debt and you pay your bills by honoring God, it does something. It, it, it begins to put momentum in your life that you don't have if you're just trying to pay your bills on your own. When you, when you try that savings account, but you don't honor God first, you can save some money. It happens. People save every day. But when you begin to honor God, what he begins to do in that savings account begins to have the fingerprint of God. Something supernatural begins to take place. Understanding money begins with understanding who owns it. Understanding how to operate in God's financial system, it begins with understanding that he created it all anyway. The governments of the world, everything in the world, all of it, God created. Psalm 24.1, it says this in the NIV. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything that you can see, taste, touch, smell. Everything around you, God owns it. See, it, it changes our perspective in life when we understand that um, our employer is not our source, but God is our source. We understand that God is the one who raises kings and lowers kings, that God is the one who pulls on the heartstrings of people in the financial world, that God is the one who is making sure that the economies of the world stay intact. See, God is the one who owns it all, and we are the ones who manage it. Say this with me. Say, God owns it, God owns it. but I manage it. Manage. Say it again. God owns it, God owns it. but I manage it. I, manage. I didn't grow up with uh, a lot of money. Anybody in here not grow up with a lot of money? 
Wow, okay, so we're all in the same place. I grew up on a farm and, uh, in Tennessee, and um, in farm life, you worked for what you got. You know, we, we didn't go out and, and buy all kinds of food at the grocery store and can stuff because we canned our own food. You know, we just created everything that we wanted, and, and that kind of lifestyle, it taught me a couple things. It, number one, taught me how to work hard. It taught me how to steward over things, but one of the things that it taught me that I've had to, to retrain myself on is it gave me this sense that I owned it. It gave me this sense that I produced this. It gave me this sense that this is the work of my hand, and that's good. But we also have to understand that the work of our hand ultimately comes from the things that God gives us, the abilities, the skill that God owns it all. It created in me um, a little bit of a stinginess, if I'm being completely honest. You know, I would look at other people, and, and, and they didn't have anything, and they needed something, and they would come to us, my family or, or me, and they would say, oh, you know, I need some help here, and I would think, go work for it. That's what I did. Get a J-O-B. That's what I had to do. I remember one time we were youth pastors, and we had a young guy in our youth ministry, in Virginia, and uh, he had a little temper tantrum. Anybody ever had a temper tantrum? In Virginia, in Henrico County, they issue laptops to all the students. Whether you have kids or not, you pay those taxes, and bam, every kid gets one. Well, this kid had a temper tantrum and decided to throw his uh, MacBook Pro that they issue everybody in Henrico County against the wall. I thought, man, I would beat you. The Lord spoke to Melissa and said, you know, there, he's going to get expelled from school. All these, he was on teetering on, on the edge with his relationship with the Lord and his mother and all those kind of things. The Lord spoke to Melissa and said, I want you guys to replace that computer. And she came to me and she said, I think we need to buy him, replace that computer. I said, get thee behind me. <laughs> because in my mentality, God doesn't own what I have. I work for it. I work hard for this. You know how many lunches I had to schlep around as a pharmaceutical rep to earn the money that we had? I'm not giving that to him because he can't control himself. Come on. Get over yourself. See, I didn't understand that God owns the resources, that God gave me that job, that nice six-figure income. I didn't understand that God gave me the ability to go get that chemistry degree. I didn't understand that God gave me the ability to speak to those doctors and influence them to write my prescriptions. I didn't, I didn't understand that God was the one doing it. I thought, it's mine, 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 mine. I worked for it. He's not getting mine. I don't even have, this is what I would say, I don't even have an Apple computer. I'm going to buy it for this temper tantrum, little kid. And I think a lot of us kind of feel that way. Anybody identify with that? I work hard for the money. I work hard for it, honey. The only pop culture references I can bring are from the 80s because I'm really very out of touch and irrelevant to society. But... You know, we're probably not the only ones in, in life to ever struggle with this idea of who owns it all. I think we probably struggle with it on a daily basis. But, you know, the people of God in the book of uh, Deuteronomy, they, they struggled with the same thing. 
They struggled with understanding that God owns everything that they had. They, they struggled with this challenge of relinquishing the resources that were placed in their hands to the Father when the Father wanted them to. They kind of got to this place where they thought, you know, hey, we're, we're out of Egypt. We're in the desert. We're making this thing happen. We're doing this. Good for us. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you'll turn there with me, starting in verse 11, the Lord says this. It says, make sure that you never forget the Lord or disobey his laws and his teachings that I'm giving you today. If you always obey them, you will have plenty to eat and you will build good houses to live in. And you will get more and more cattle, sheep, silver, gold, and other possessions. Verse 14, but when all of this happens, don't be proud. Don't forget that you were once slaves in Egypt. Egypt is a symbol of the world system. Don't forget that you were once slaves to the world system of money. You were slaves to the world system of sin. Don't forget that you were once slaves and, and that it was the Lord who set you free. Remember how he led you in that huge and frightening desert where poisonous snakes and scorpions live, that there was no water, but the Lord, he split open a rock and the water poured out so that you could drink. He also gave you manna, a kind of food that your ancestors had never even heard about. The Lord was testing you to make you trust him so that later on he could be good to you. Verse 17, when you become successful, don't say I'm rich and I've earned it all myself. Instead, remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the strength to make a living. One version says to, he gives you the ability to earn money, to earn wealth. And that's how he keeps his promise that he made to your ancestors. Say this with me. God owns it, but I manage it. If you're following along on your fill-ins... I have four things for you today that I believe will help you honor God and get you on the right track in your financial system so that you can be as effective as possible getting out of debt. You can be as effective as possible in your savings. You can be as effective as possible in your obedience to the Lord. Number one, it says this, God owns it and I manage it by fighting forgetfulness. Deuteronomy 8 and 11, make sure that you never forget the Lord or disobey his laws and teachings that I'm giving you today. You know, it's easy to forget that God owns it all. It's easy when the paychecks come in and they get direct deposited into our account. It's easy to think, yeah, that employer, that's where my source is. I used to work for Merck Pharmaceuticals. It's a $50 billion a year company. It's easy to think that Merck owns it all. Why look at the pension plan with $690 billion in the pension plan for Merck Pharmaceuticals? It's easy to think, that's my source. I need to snuggle up to the higher ups. It's, it's easy to forget that God owns it all. And this is exactly what started happening with the people of God thousands of years ago. And you know what? It's no different today. We get busy with life, all the things that are happening in everyday life, and, and we forget that God is, is bidding us. He's saying, here are some resources, and here's somebody who needs them. I gave them to you. If you'll be obedient and give them where I want you to, guess what I do? I give you more. 
If God can figure out in us that we understand that he owns it all anyway, then he begins to funnel finances to us because he can trust us. How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys would, in this organic age, admit that you have ever purchased a Happy Meal for your children? How many of you guys are lying right now? Okay. Um, Well, when I was growing up, Happy Meals were the thing. Like, you know, you go to McDonald's, you get a Happy Meal. My dad didn't buy many Happy Meals for us because my dad um, was very frugal with finances. But in the rare instances that we would get a Happy Meal, we would you know, go and open it up and there's a toy and a burger and fries and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I've noticed about like these, these little instances with our kids is like you, you as the parent, you buy this happy meal for your child and, and you're eating your salad because you don't want anybody to see you actually eating that kind of food in one of those establishments. But you have kids, you can't get away from it. Like you have to feed them happy meals. And, and so you're eating your salad and you reach over to grab a French fry. Anybody ever done that? And you're hoping nobody sees you eat that stick full of grease. There's no potato left. It's just congealed oil. You reach over to grab it, and your child goes, ah, it's mine. My fry. And they get mad at you, or they pucker their lip. That's my fry. How many of you guys in that instance, you're like, boy, I will shove those fries in your ear. I bought that for you. And if I want to eat every single one of them, I will eat them. It enrages you to some degree. I think that's why we didn't get many Happy Meals growing up. I think I shot myself in the foot. But but how different is it when you reach over there and you look around, you know, I looking. Pat Braden's not, you know, walking in the place with his all muscle built shirt on. You know, you feel bad. Pat Braden walks in, you're like, man, I am just a slob. <laughs> Look around, make sure Pat's not around. You reach over, you grab that fry, and your little baby looks up and says, you can have another one. All right, what does that do for you? Oh, my Lord, melts your heart. You're like, give me four more Happy Meals. Come on, bring them in. You want a shake, baby? You, come on, you can have a shake. We're going to go to Chick-fil-A right after we leave McDonald's. Yeah. You know, it's no different with God. When God gives us his resources, he gives it to us every single day, and God reaches over to grab a fry, it doesn't matter what he's going to do with it. It's his anyway. And how we respond to that, it impacts our Father. And we respond with a generous heart, a generous hand. God looks at that, and he was like, oh, we're going. It's happy meals all around. But when God moves on our heart, when he leans on us and we eat our little fries and we end up keeping what we have and we end up blocking the flow of what God wants to do in our lives, God owns it and I manage it by fighting the the temptation to forget that he gave it to me in the first place. I need two volunteers. How about, come on up here. And how about Jacob? You look nice and handsome today. Look at this. Can you, uh, can you take my blood pressure while we're up here? Cause you guys can come on up. All right, Brent, Jacob, we're, we're going to make you, you stand right here. You're going to represent just people. Jacob, you come over here. Jacob, cause he's, he's got this tie on. Look at that man. 
Um, come over here, stand nice and close. All right. Y'all make me look short. <laughs> I am short. All right, so you, you represent just, you know, people in life in, in general. And Jacob, uh, he represents a banker because he's got a tie on today. Um, I have $1,000. Anybody want 1000 bucks this morning? Y'all don't even really believe. Nobody's even raising their hands. They're like, he ain't giving it. He ain't giving it away. I have $1,000. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Make sure it's there. I got this out of Melissa's purse this morning. <laughs> it's just a joke. Um, how many guys know it's hard to come by $1,000, especially in today's tax code, right? Um, you have to almost earn like $2,000 to get $1,000 in your pocket. And, um, and so this represents our life. It's, it's the money, the resources that God gives us. Now, this has to come back to me or you're going to need to resuscitate yourself later, okay? <laughs> and so, so Brent has 1000 bucks, just like you have money in your life. And, and um, what do we do with our money? We, we usually give it to a banker. I don't know why we do this, but we do it. We give it to this guy to hold on to. Go ahead and give Jacob the money. Now, Jacob, you, you run out of here, they're, they're going to tase you on the way out. <laughs> so we give our money to a banker, and, and what we realize, you're not married yet, but look how good looking this guy is, right? So it's, it's, not, it's not too far off. Uh, you're going to have a wife, and you're going to realize that, that women like things that don't make sense to us, <laughs> like China. It's plates that you can't eat on. They're expensive. You can't put them in the dishwasher because the gold will melt off of the edges of them. China. You're going to have to buy China. And what you realize as a man is that not only do you buy dishes that are useless and, and you never use them, you can't touch them because if they break, you're going to end up, you know, um, in divorce court. And, um, but not only that, you, you also have to buy a $2,500 cabinet to keep this dishware that you can't use inside. And so you realize, I, I need to go to the bank because I love my wife and I need to get some money. But what we didn't realize is, is Jake has a wife too. And his wife, because he's a banker, already has China and a China cabinet, and she wants a cruise. So Jacob takes a little bit of Brent's money and takes his wife on a cruise. Whoa, whoa, where are you cruising to? <laughs> you just need a little bit. Cruise money. I'll just hang on to that. So Brent, you know now you're, you're married. You, you need to go get some money to get your child. Go get your money out. How much you have there? $700. Well, how much did you put in? $1,000. 1000 I can't count. 600 so, so where's the rest of the money? I don't know. Jacob, where's the rest of the money? Yeah, exactly. That's the look that we get. How mad would you be if this was your life? Oh, my Lord. Talk about French fries in somebody's ear. I'd be a whole Big Mac in there. I would be beating my banker down. Come on, dude. Where's my money? I got China to buy. Are you kidding me? My wife is going to kill me. In Tennessee, we call that going round and round. Yeah, you guys ever seen anybody go round and round? I'll show you a little bit. You steal money in Tennessee where I grew up? My dad would grab us like this. Come here, right here. He'd grab you by the arm, and then he would whip you. <laughs> around and round. <laughs> Until you couldn't take it anymore. 
And that's exactly what would happen if you took my money. Give my money back. Oh. Give them a hand as they go back. So, so I tricked you just a little bit because Brent really doesn't represent you and Jacob really doesn't represent the bank. Brent represents God and, you, and Jacob represents you. And God puts on deposit with us his resources. And we're to manage those resources appropriately. We're supposed to keep those resources on hand for when the Father needs them. And just as you would feel misused, abused, disrespected, if you went to the bank and found out that the banker spent the money you put on deposit, how does God feel when God's got a child over here who needs one of us to take those resources and bless them? There's more where God gave you the first. There's more coming after that. He just, he just needs to know that you're willing to give the resources that he's given you to the right place at the right time. Number two, God owns it and I manage it by releasing the pressure of pride. Verse 14, it says, when all of this happens, when, when God's resources come your way and you get blessed by God and, 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 and you can sense what God is doing in your life, there's momentum in your finances. When all of this happens, don't be proud. Don't forget that you were once slaves in Egypt and that it was the Lord who set you free. Man, it's so easy to get prideful. It's so easy to, to get to this place where we think, man, I'm doing good. I'm saving money, I'm making money, my business is doing good. And we get to this place where we feel like I'm doing this. It's because I'm so smart. When I left Merck Pharmaceuticals before I came on staff full-time at the church, I did double duty, three years Merck Pharmaceuticals and three years, first three years of the church. I worked bivocationally. The last year I was number one in the nation for the, the product that I sold. I thought, man, I'm doing so good. And it's so easy in those instances to get to this place of pride. This place that says, man, I, I can make this thing happen. But don't forget that you were once slaves in Egypt, slaves to the world system, and it was the Lord that set you free. Remember how he led you out in that huge and frightening desert where there were poisonous snakes and scorpions, and there was no water, but the Lord split open a rock and water poured out so that you could drink. We have to manage what God has given us by releasing the pressure of pride. Pride is what keeps us from allowing the resources of God to flow through our lives. I don't want to do that. It's mine. Mine, 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 mine. I don't want to give. I don't want to tithe. I don't want to honor God with the first of all of my increase. I don't want to do those kind of things because my pride tells me that I earned it in the first place. My brother and I, we used to wrestle with my dad a lot. How many of you guys ever wrestled with your parents? My dad's six foot three, and um, I didn't get any of those genes. And, um, and so he's a big guy, and, and we used to wrestle with him, and he would shadow box with us. And he's a big, tall guy, and he would, you know, shadow box and just wrestle with us. And, and um, he, would, uh, he would pin us down a lot and say, you give up, you give up. Anybody, his parents ever did that? Okay, um, and, and so I, I, some of my most fond memories in, in 
in my childhood was just spending that time with my dad. My dad worked so much. He, he was a product development engineer, and so he just worked all the time. And when I had those opportunities to, to just wrestle with my dad, it was like the best thing in the world. And I remember like he would pin us down and he'd say, you give up, you give up. And we would get stubborn and we'd say, no, we don't give up. I didn't want that moment to end. No, 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 we don't give up. Now, my brother is a little more prideful, a little more um, stubborn than I was. It wasn't that he didn't want the moment at the end. He was just, I don't want to be conquered. And I think in life sometimes, God, our Father, leans on us. He leans on us to be generous. leans on us to put the resources in the right place. And so often in life, our pride says, no. I don't want to. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give in to what you want me to do, God. I want to manage it the way I want to manage it. And I believe many of you today, you're sitting in this place and God has been leaning on you financially. He's been speaking to you. He's been speaking to you to to tithe and honor him with the first of your increase. He's been speaking to you to, to help somebody out financially. He's been speaking to you for the heart, for the house. He's, he's been leaning on you and been laying on you. And for some of you, your pride is saying, no, 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 no. I encourage you today, as God leans on you, just respond to him. Just, just begin to honor him because what you have now came from him anyway. And when you respond to him, he, he sends more to you. And I know it's not easy. I know that it takes faith. To honor God with the first means that you don't know what's going to happen to the rest. But God, if I, if I give you what you're asking me to give, if I position this where you want me to, pos- I don't know if I'm going to be able to do what else I want to do. And it takes faith and trust. We have to trust God that when he encourages us to put resources in one place or the next, we have to trust that more comes behind that. Verse 16, it says, he also gave you manna. It's a kind of food that your ancestors had never even heard about. I love this part of the verse. It says, the Lord was testing you to make you trust him. Like he asks you to do things. He tests you to build that trust so that later on he could be good to you. I love that phrase. He tests us to make us trust him so that later on he can be good to us. He tests us so that we can trust him so that later on he can unleash his goodness towards us. How many of us God is testing we're not trusting. You know, there's a, there's a couple of positions in life that are important for us to understand. This sign right here, what does this mean? Anywhere in the world, this means you're about to get knocked out. Right? If you have a little puppy and you say, come here, boy. <laughs> it doesn't work too well, does it? When we're like this with the resources that God has given us. Nothing leaves for sure. But nothing else gets in either. 
But this, come here, boy. Universal sign of openness. Money leaves, but God's able to put more in. Where's your trust level? Where's your heart? Are you open to what God's trying to do in your life? Or are you closed to what God is trying to do in your life? He's trying to help you trust him. He's trying to help you get to this place where he can lavish you with the resources of heaven. Because that trust is not only that you trust him, it's also that he can trust you. Now here's what I realize about trusting God is it's not an easy thing to do. I remember when Melissa and I first got married, I, um, I had a degree in chemistry and I was selling insurance. Those two things don't mix very well. I was a horrible insurance agent. Horrible. I didn't make enough money to pay our bills. And I remember in those days how difficult it was to trust God. I remember in those days how difficult it was to honor God. I remember in those days how difficult it was to be obedient if the Lord put something on our heart because that obedience took away from what I had to feed my family. Our first year of marriage, such a bad husband, our first year of marriage, my wife didn't even get one outfit and I didn't even notice it. Come on, we all have to have clothes to wear, right? I didn't even notice it until somebody came along and bought my wife some clothes. I thought, ooh. That's probably not a wise husband. That's how tight it was in those days. So I know it's not easy, but I want to encourage you to start where you are. A tithe is a tenth of your income. That's where you honor God first. Maybe you don't feel like you're there, but what if you started a little bit lower? And what if you progressed to that place? What if you started trusting God with where you are today and let God take you to where he wants you to be? Hi, I'm Mark Manganelli. And I'm Kayla Manganelli. And we're the leaders of the CAFE team here at Generation Church. When we began attending at Generation Church, we started at a life group called The Blessed Life. Uh, it was about tithing, and at that time we really hadn't been tithing and didn't really know how to tithe and whether we could fit that into our finances. And we determined that uh, if we couldn't give a full 10% right away, that we would give what we were able to give. Um, so as we started uh, putting our trust in God and in our finances, uh, you know, we began giving little bit by little bit, and it became a set percentage at a time. We started to grow in that. Um, as we continued to grow uh, in our faith in the Lord and continue to put our finances um, to match our faith, uh, we just started to see how God worked in us in so many ways and, and blessing us. And um, as time went on, we continued to, to give more and more until we were able to match as close enough to 10% as we could. Uh, throughout that entire time period, uh, we really felt there was no way we can give this much money. There was no way that we had the ability to give 10% uh, of, our, of our income. You know, uh, we had been living paycheck to paycheck for a very long time. Uh, we were unsure of how we were going to get enough money to, to take care of just basic needs a lot of times. Uh, and as we continued to put our faith and trust in God, uh, He continued to bless us in an abundance. So to the moon. 
We believe the blessings we received were a direct result of the obedience we had in our finances. We were stewards over little, and God allowed us to be rulers over much. The, the new job opportunity that I have, uh, it's going to bless me financially in a way that I, I, I never expected. Um, I received a bonus from my previous job that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, we have savings now that we never had. We've been able to give towards Heart for the House. We've been able to tithe our 10% plus some. We've been able to give to friends and family when they're in need. Uh, it's just tremendous the amount of blessings that came out of that initial obedience and something that we thought we never had the opportunity to use for, for anything positive in our lives. It was, it was our crutch, and now it's, it's our focal point in how we could potentially be ministering to others. And besides uh, God blessing us financially, He really um, just grew us spiritually. And, and really what um, tithing has taught me is to be obedient, and it's helped me to save money. And it's it, now I, I want to give it away to friends, and especially at this point in my life, I have family members that really need my help, and I've been able to help them, and, and that feels really good, and um, it's... Uh, it's very rewarding, and um, it's taught me to be obedient to my husband and and um, be obedient to God. Put that trust in the Lord and, and trust that, that God's going to provide for you. Um, it's God's timeline. It's not always your timeline. Be patient with that. Um, believe and have faith, and God will provide. Uh, he provided for us in such amazing ways that um, I'm so thankful for all of the abundance, and it was because of our obedience and our trust in Him that we saw the, the growth in our lives, and it's, it's brought us together in ways that we never imagined we could. God owns it, and I manage it by passing the test of trust. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, very common scripture. And lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. That's the finances, the first of your finances, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Verse 17 in Deuteronomy when you become successful, don't say that I'm rich and I've earned it all myself. Instead, remember that the Lord your God gives you the strength to make a living. And that's how he keeps the promise that he made to our ancestors. Number four, God owns it and I manage it by remembering the Lord with my tithe. You know, we live in a world today where people actually teach against this teaching out of the Bible. People will make excuses about why we shouldn't honor God with our tithe. That tithe is the law, but the spirit gives life and freedom and those kind of things. But the tithe is one of those things that throughout scripture, before there was a law, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. God, through the law, gave some guidelines, guardrails to tithing. But even Jesus talked about tithing. At the very... Um, end of the new covenant coming into the transition of Jesus into the New Testament. Jesus told the religious leaders, the Pharisees, he said, you guys tithe the tithe of cumin and all these other things, but you've left a few things undone, love, mercy, justice. You should have done both of them. 
You should have done both of them. See, we honor God with the increase that he gives us. It's a trust issue. We remember the Lord. As you get through life and you see the resources of of this world come your way, you can't forget to honor God. Exodus 13 and 2 says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine, says the Lord. Consecrate to me all of the firstborn. The reason why the tithe is so important is because it is the unknown. It's the first. They didn't know if that honoring of God with that firstborn, they didn't know if that animal would produce any more offspring. It could have been one and done. They could have just given their only offspring to a sacrifice. It's a trust issue. And what the tithe does is the tithe redeems the rest. That first fruit, that offering to God, that that part that says, God, I'm going to honor you because it's all yours anyway. It redeems the rest of what God gives us in our lives. And so many of us live in our financial system in an unredeemed fashion. If you read on in Exodus, it actually says that the unclean, the donkeys, would be redeemed by the lambs. That the first lamb that was born would be sacrificed and it would redeem the donkeys, the unclean things. And that even those lambs would redeem the actual children that were born to those families. That first part, that tenth, it has a redemptive. It's not just a financial thing. It redeems the remainder. Now we can live on 100% of our Resources in an unredeemed fashion or we can live on 90 that is redeemed. I don't know about you, but I would rather have 90% of the resources in my control right now that are blessed and redeemed by God than 100% that are not. Because God looks at that and he says, wow, you're honoring me first. I'm going to send more your way. To him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Every year we do this thing called a tithing challenge. And we offer it to our church because my job as a pastor is to train us, to help us grow, to to be discipled in the things of God so that we can be everything that God has called us to be. And I am so convinced based on scripture and my own life and the testimonies from hundreds and thousands of people that I've talked to and heard from I'm so convinced that tithing revolutionizes people's lives that we do a money-back guarantee. If you commit to tithe for 90 days and you come to me afterwards and you say, you know, Pastor Ben, this stuff's bunk. It doesn't work. I'll give you every red cent back. And all the years that we've been doing this, today, by the way, is our six-year anniversary at Generation Church. In all the years we've been doing this, we've never had anybody come back and say, man, God did not revolutionize my life. Actually, I just checked the data from last time we did this. We had 19 people take the tithing challenge last time. And 16 of them are still going strong. One of them moved away. The majority of people that commit to this, they see God give them momentum in their finances. And so today, I want you to search your heart. If you've never committed to the Lord to trust him, 
to honor him, to give a tithe. And I encourage you today to step out. You can't lose. I'll give it all back to you. You can't lose. Imagine what we could do as a church if every single person lived under God's blessed financial system. If every single person at Generation Church was out of debt. If every single person at Generation Church had a flush savings account. Imagine the people that we could reach and minister to. Look at me very closely. This is not about me and it's not about the church bank account. It's about you. Imagine what you could do in this city. As a six-year-old church today, our annual budget is a little over a million dollars. Holy cow, what a blessing. We are one of the, the most blessed church launches that I know of. Over a million dollars we bring in goes to ministry, goes to salaries, expansions, all those kind of things. People are getting saved every single weekend. But you know what our finances would look like if every person at Generation Church tithed? One million dollars a year is what we receive right now that goes towards ministry. If every person honored the Lord, just based on the average income of this zip code, the annual budget would be six million dollars. So there's a $5 million difference in what we're able to do. Now look at me very closely. That doesn't change our salary. If this church went from $1 million to $6 million a year, I still make the same amount of money that I make. Our staff, they're not going to all be driving Ferraris. Well, Sean might. It doesn't change our personal finances. What it does is it produces $5 million of outreach money. $5 million of Easter egg hunts. $5 million of facilities. $5 million to change people's life with. I mean, what if we went to the fire department and we bought them new fire trucks? Come on. What if we went to the town of Jupiter and we said, hey, we see you guys have this thing that you're not able to tax us enough for. (laughs) What if we bought that for you? Imagine the lives that we could change if we just honored God. If we just honored the Lord. Close your eyes this morning. Father, I do honor you. I thank you, Lord, for the principles of the kingdom of God that operate in our finances. Lord, I pray that the people of Generation Church hear my heart this morning. That, God, this is not a message to get us into their pockets, but to get you into their pockets and to get your resources into the lives of your people, God, to get their finances blessed, to to get momentum in their world, God. I pray that you speak to hearts. I pray for those who who feel like they can't afford to tithe. God, that you would help them understand that they can't afford not to. I pray that you would minister to our hearts. God, that you would challenge us today, that as our Father, you would just lean on us. And that we would respond to that pressure, not with pride, but with humility. 
with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you're here today and you know your financial world is not where it needs to be. It's not honoring God the way the word of God challenges us to. And I understand there are a million reasons why I've lived them myself. But the only way to get out of your situation is to honor the one who can get you out, to trust him. So I challenge you this morning, if you do not honor the, God, honor the Lord with your tithe, I challenge you to take the tithing challenge. At the end of this service, when we receive the regular church offering, on your envelope, just right at the top of it, tithing challenge. Whether you give anything today or not, this is not about that. It's about you stepping forward in what God has you to do. So if God's dealing with your heart for that, I want you to challenge yourself. That's you. Would you slip your hand up? Nobody's looking around. I just want to see what the response is like. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. How many of you guys would say God's tugging on my heart this morning? Listen, I'm not going to come track you down. I just want to know. Secondly, you're here today. And you just don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. Maybe somebody invited you to this church. You saw us on social media. Or you found us on a website. Maybe you have no idea why you're even here today. And you're thinking, oh, Lord, I came to a church today to check it out. And they taught about money. What am I doing? But for you, it's not about that. Those principles, that, that's something that you just need to set aside for a minute. You got to make the main thing the main thing. And that's Jesus today. If you're here today and your relationship with God is either non-existent or not where it needs to be, and God's tugging on your heart, I challenge you to respond to him today. That's you. If God's tugging on your heart, would you just look up at me? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So proud of you guys. God's tugging on your heart for a relationship. Who else today? Just look up and make eye contact with me. Scripture says this, that if we can say with confidence, with words, the things that we're feeling and sensing in our heart, we can confess those things, that something supernatural takes place, that our heart opens up and God comes and he lives inside of us. And it's what Scripture calls being born again. And so I want to help you right now. Say with words what's happening inside of your heart. It's a simple prayer. I ask you to pray it nice and loud and believe it. And as you say it, very natural prayer, something supernatural begins to happen in your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus for me to die for my mistakes and to pay for my sin. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Make me a new person. Give me a new path. All the old things, let them pass away. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome our brothers into the kingdom.